clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Welcome into Simultaneous Catch, folks. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. And Adam dislikes me, apparently. Yep. Let's start rant rave recall. So, you know what's ridiculous, guys? Um, what's ridiculous is that Josh, it's not enough for Josh to beat me in fantasy football anymore. We've evolved past this. <laughs> so, I'm going to rant, okay? It's not enough for him anymore. He can't just beat me and be like, see, I'm better than you. He has to beat me without even actually playing against me. In our fantasy league that we did with our close friends this year, including his partner Jenna, who, by the way, is in the playoffs and I'm not, it came down two playoff spots between the three of us, and my tight end was out on Monday Night Football, and Josh had to pick up the player I could play. Now, it doesn't matter that it wouldn't have mattered anyway if I would have been able to pick this up, <laughs> but this is what it's come down to. <laughs> He, he has to make sure he beats me so bad that he will pick up a player that he doesn't need, that he won't play, just to block me from the potential of winning. It's incredible. you got to respect the hustle. <laughs> well, I, I do have to say, and, and it's painful for me to say, we played each other in two leagues this year. And, we and did, yes. And you beat me in both. So, I did, I did you know. yes, it's true. But it was... It was so funny because I was finishing up uh, classes. Our classes went virtual for the last couple of weeks. Um, we just want to try to stay safe for the holidays and everything. So I finished up class and then I had a meeting with other teachers and I just logged off and I turned on my phone and I was like, oh, let's just check lineups, see how close everything is. Because I still had a chance heading into Monday night. And lo and behold, oh, I was like, yeah, why? It was, it was close. I was looking at news. this, and I was like, why is Josh picking up this random tight end from the Rams? And then I turned on ESPN, and they were like, Tyler Higby out. And I was just, you son of a gun. <laughs> it was Yeah, but what what can I say? You know, 2021 was the year of the broken. You, you broke the curse. So I did, had yes. To, oh, man. I had to make sure that I got in the playoffs. It was it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. So uh, I will say another fantasy news. I This is still kind of pending, but I think it will end up being what it is. Um, so in the, our lovely friend Mike Mikas' fantasy league that I'm in, Six of us finished at seven and seven, fighting for the last two spots in the playoffs. 
and Ooh. I just edged out the final spot after starting 0-5, by the way. 0-5 in this league. I just hedged out the final spot over Mike because we split the we finished seven and seven, so you go to the tiebreaker, and we split our head-to-head. So the next tiebreaker is total points four for the season, and I have scored six more total points four over the entire season than Mike. It 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 really came down to the smallest of margins, and who's to say what will really happen in the playoffs? And we were debating earlier today whether or not it should be like points against in our matchups, in which the one matchup he beat me, he outscored me by like a hundred points. It was gross. Um, I think that was during my 0-5 stretch. Um, but it's fantasy football, man. That's my rant rave recall. It's just, it's brutal. It's cutthroat, and we just love it. And now we're in playoff season. So, And we did Wait, what? We did sneak into playoffs in our simultaneous catch as well. So, Whoa, it's not fantasy corner yet. Sorry, never mind. <laughs> Anyways. Welcome to the show. I don't really get what you you're like this could change how could it well uh, because we were debating whether or not it should have been points for in the head-to-head matchups and that's what mike was saying that's what mike's was saying it was but i was like i'm pretty sure it's total points for the whole year and again i have like six and a half more than he does so it's really really close um but then it's but the two people beneath us have over a hundred more points than we do for the season, but because we both had the head-to-head victories over those two teams, we're above those two teams. So it's real. It's like razor-thin margin between these four teams fighting for the last spot. Um, but it's pretty crazy. And uh, wowza. Anyway, that's my rant about you and your sneaky little moves to get into the playoffs. It didn't really matter, but it was pretty funny. And uh, me backing my way into another playoffs. Well, there we go. You know, we love the game, don't we? I am going to do a real rant rave recall. <laughs> Hello. And I'm going to be a little bit of a homer. I'm going to rave about Green Bay, not the fact do that it, they man. are sitting right now in the number one seed or anything like that. I'm going to just rave about Matt LaFleur. I know we've come on and we've talked about Matt LaFleur before and given him a ton of accolades, which very much deserved, obviously has a fantastic record as a head coach, has never lost back-to-back games. But the real reason I want to rave about him today specifically is because it's kind of the anti-Matt Nagy, what we've always said about Matt Nagy. What have we, we, and we've been hard on Nagy, but what have we always said? He's really good with those first 15 or so scripted plays. 15's made up, just the scripted plays to start a game, right? Well, this year... Those start of the game scripted plays, plays that should like be instantaneous, get us on on the map, have not been good for Green Bay, and I don't think that's just on Lafleur. I think it's also a little bit on Rodgers. Both of them are very ingrained to want to put the pedal on the metal, go for the deep shot, and and just get something right off the bat. And that's not working so far this year, as we are three quarters of the way through. But as as we've seen. Because we've seen pretty bad. Green Bay hasn't even scored in the first quarter a lot this year. The first quarter as a whole, not just their first drive. But then we see things start to click. And that's something that I'm really excited about as as just a fan. Seeing a coach be able to be like, okay, this isn't working. Let's look and evaluate and scheme this and let's, let's change it up. And so it's the anti-Matt Nagy where 
when things don't go right, they are able to flip the script, evaluate, and, and change what they want to do to get it going. And that's something that I think is is really exciting. And it's obviously a really large reason why they're sitting where they are right now. Because like I said, Green Bay has been really poor on opening drives. They've been pretty poor on first quarters as a whole. So having those adjustments is, has been key for them. So Matt LaFleur, tip a cap to you. Yeah, and I mean, it's that's what being a great coach is all about, is being able to adjust. I mean, that's what being a really great, just being great at life is all about, being able to adjust. I mean, I think almost everything in life is based off of how you react to it, not how you act, right? Uh, even, like, in acting, it's acting is reacting. In, in, in life, you can't always control what happens, but you control how you respond to it. And the same thing goes with sports and coaching and playing, you know? It's not always going to go right, and I think that's a great point that you make is, you know, even throwing out the fact that he's great at the scripted plays typically and that he's never lost back-to-back games and all of this stuff, you know, just the fact that he could take the punch and keep going. Um, and I, I don't think this is the last time we're going to talk about that on this episode. Uh, there are a lot of teams this past week that didn't end up winning but took punches and came back that I think uh, deserve to be talked about a little bit, and not just my team. <laughs> um, but regardless uh no i love that for sure and i uh i didn't watch the full game that night uh because i fall asleep much earlier than i used to i'm becoming the old man in the friendship uh but i did get up and and catch the rest of it on online and yeah i mean it was it was touch and go there for a little bit but they were able to adjust and win that game and you know, we're going to have a conversation later on in this episode about who we think the best team in the NFL is, and they're going to be in that conversation for sure. Um, and I can't remember. I mean, let me pull this up real quick. I don't know if either of us picked them to win this Super Bowl this year. I don't think either of us said that, but I, I mean, they're they're as much in that conversation as anybody at this point, right? Oh no, you did. Yeah, you did say you did say Packers over Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That was your prediction. Um, well, that would be pretty fun. Yeah, so so regardless, no, I love that for sure. Okay, let's get into some crushing it. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go right I'm gonna get right into it um about what I just mentioned. I'm giving a crushing it to my team. And I'm gonna do this because we've been kind of reeling in the last month or two. <laughs> um and we still lost on Sunday. I I I, will, I don't know if I'd say reeling. Regardless of, of of regardless of whatever adjective, we have not been playing our our tops for a little while now. Or certainly not to the capability that I think that we're that we're able to play. And I can say that because of what happened on Sunday. I thought we'd lose this game. We talked about it during the episode, or or. You talked about it in the episode when we did Pals Picks. I did allude to the fact that I would have picked the Bucks had you given me the game, so you didn't. And I obviously would have been right because it came out that way. But I, it was 24-3 to 3 at halftime, and I left my apartment. I got in the car, and I drove down the street to Walmart. <laughs> and I was, and I drove down the street to Walmart, and I put it on the radio, and I was like, I just need to go walk through a grocery store right now. And so I got up and I walked around and That's I don't right. even rem- I don't even remember what I I don't even remember what I bought but I was so frustrated and I can't remember no I can't remember so take out the AFC Championship game because that was just its own thing but the last time that I was that frustrated at a at a game or at least a portion of a game was 
the Cardinals game last year where we lost in that final play. I just fell on the ground. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, I was so demoralized, disheartened, and I was ready just to totally give up on this team, come on the show, and talk about how we're done, we're terrible, we're never going anywhere. And then all of a sudden we came back in the second half and it was magic. We came out and we didn't even pick up a first down on our first drive back out. It was three and out. They got the ball. We stopped them. We got the ball, scored, and then we just came to life. Josh Allen had an incredible day rushing. He had over he had 109 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown, 308 passing yards, two touchdowns. He did have a pick. Uh, first Bills quarterback in history with 300 passing yards and 100 rushing yards in a game. I believe he's also just the third quarterback in general that's ever had that stat line. I know Russell Wilson has had that stat line, and I think I, I believe, believe he's Lamar- the fourth. Yeah, yeah, he's the third or fourth, but he's also the only player in the NFL with 3,000-plus 3, passing yards and 400-plus rushing yards uh, heading into Sunday. I don't know if that number still stands, but he was that already uh, heading into Sunday. And it's just – he's been awesome. And, you know, there are, he's at his ups and downs moments for sure. Um, I don't really think he's in the – we talked about this whole MVP thing. I think, especially after the last couple of weeks, it's kind of leaning towards another Tom Brady – and, uh, you know, we talk about it being a narrative award. But for the most part, Josh has been pretty great. And I think that people are really harsh on him because he was nearly perfect at times last year. And he's still reached that level of play a couple of times this year. He just hasn't been as consistent. But when Josh Allen is on, he's on. And I just think in the second half, this team showed you what they really could be. It was they, Their defense was shut down. Brady did miss a couple of throws. They still, Brady and the team also did get some calls that were your typical, oh, he's Tom Brady calls. Um, <laughs> but the defense shut down. We got some 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 juice in the second half from both Singletary and Brady on the running game. Allen obviously on his uh, with his feet. Dawson Knox getting involved. Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley. It was just an all around effort and. The obviously the thing that stinks is we got the ball in overtime and we didn't score and that that hurts it definitely hurts I'm not gonna pretend like I'm not actually a little bit worried now about our playoff chances with all these teams with seven wins and six wins uh, we are still technically slotted into that seventh spot but you know we'll see what happens down the line but I came out with feeling way better about my team than I did before the beginning of the game um, and so that's why I'm gonna give a crush to to our team. Okay, okay. I respect it. Yeah, definitely willed their way back into that game. Made it super exciting. I, I definitely, I mean, it flipped the script. I, I thought all the momentum was with Buffalo. I thought they were going to win, and I, I was rooting for that, for for playoff seeding implications in the NFC and all of that good jazz. It was definitely a bummer for it to end the way it did. And like you said, I mean, there were some pretty – pretty Brady friendly calls there as, as we've come to see over the years, like you mentioned, but still, I mean, we, we've talked numerous times about how you don't want to let it come down to that. You don't want to be like, well, that's, that's the reason for sure. Lost and, for sure. And Absolutely. But at the same time, I mean, it, it certainly is disheartening. I think it is good that Buffalo willed its way in and, and, and got there. I think that says a lot of about the players, the testament to that. I don't know. I, I do have mixed feelings, though, because there were plays that, like, 
why did Brady twice, you know, Gronk's lined up out on the on the right, and he's like, I'm just gonna go for Gronk down the sideline. It's like, what what are you do? Why are you doing that? That yeah. I mean, yeah. Gronk's great, but you know, let's take take an easy play here. Let's do what you've been doing all day. Why why changing the script and doing that now? Um, but I digress. That didn't make sense to me. But you know, this is a team I said last week, buddy. I think you know the schedule. I think from here on out is is pretty favorable. Yeah, we have the and I, I don't we have the Panthers and Falcons and Jets all at home in the last four weeks. We do have that. No, those sun- Falcons though. Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> um, the we do have that matchup against the Patriots mushed in there between the Panthers and Falcons in Gillette. Um, so that'll be very uh, decisive for us. But I'm I'm starting to feel, especially with this log jam in the AFC, and again, we'll talk about the playoff picture because the AFC is incredibly intriguing. But, you know, I'm starting to feel that 10 wins is probably that 7 seed, even the 6 seed probably. Now, I'd love just to run the table, be 11 and 6, and, and call it a day. Um, we'll have to see what happens. But... It's going to be tight down the stretch, and I really thought if we won this one that I could lock it in and be like, okay, we're going to be in the playoffs, whether it's division or not, but now we're, we have to root for the Colts to knock off the Pats, and then we'd have to beat them, and then there'd have to be another you know, one mixed in there. So we'll, we'll you know, I withhold everything for now, but um, I definitely just like what I saw for the most part. I think deservedly so. I will say, I think, you know, we can't, whether or not, and I was hard on the Bills running game last week, but that doesn't mean don't come out and have a half without handing the ball off to a running back. Uh, Didn't like that. I mean, that's a, I could get into a longer conversation because the same thing happened to us when we talked about week one with the Cowboys because the Bucks have been the number one rush defense overall for the last two but to the three Bucks years. Were, Devin Singletary, and, broke, when they did run, they broke yeah. off like 18-yard runs a time. The Bucks but, and then run I, defense. The Bucks defense as a whole is not what it was week one. And I and I'm confused about it too a little bit because you're right. I mean, we Singletary had a couple huge runs against them, and obviously Josh Allen was running everywhere, but that's a little bit different. And then Breda had a couple of huge one, runs too. But I'm always just so confused because I'm wondering like, were those only huge runs because we picked the right spot and there was a run, or if we would have just kept going for it would have been? It just I don't know. And obviously you look back and you do if and that this that, but I just. I think the offense has to and will just continue to run through Josh Allen. And, you know, I'll be very, very interested to see what Bean and McDermott do in the offseason through free agency or even the draft if they want to draft another running back. And But I really think that the key to this team is Josh Allen and the offensive line. Because when the offensive line is on, both the run and pass game are very good. And when they're not, we struggle. Um, and that's really what it comes down to for me. I still actually think that our running backs are pretty darn good. I just think that when we get better blocking, they're better. And when we don't, we don't. The advanced analytics numbers still say, like they did last year, that that all of our backs are like tops in the league of getting contacted in the backfield, which leads to blocking. It's not really, I mean, it can't be anything else other than blocking because the backs are unable to get past the line without getting hit. Regardless, we'll keep talking about it. It's fine. We lost. It's fine. I liked what we did. Go back to you if you have a crush on it. <laughs> no, I'm not done with the Buffalo Bills yet, Adam. I have something else to say. <laughs> okay. Cole Beasley, you are a millionaire wide receiver in the NFL. 
Fix your damn tooth. What are you doing? <laughs> Sometimes I forget about it. Listen, we don't need to turn this into the Cole Beasley bashing show, but we both know I have problems with Cole Beasley. He's one of my favorite players, but the the guy has got to get some a lot of things together, if we're being perfectly honest. <laughs> see that tooth and i'm like looks like cricket from it's always sunny (laughs) there won't be a ton of people that get that reference but those are cool people oh they should they should regardless anyways you gotta crush playoffs i did my crushing it didn't i oh Maybe you did. Did I, I not? Know. Regardless. Oh no, Reg- that was all. That was all of yours. I hadn't done mine. Yeah, right. we went back and forth. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll make mine real short. Mine is okay. also based on the Sunday night football game. I'm gonna give my crushing it to a former Miami receiver, Jakeem Grant. He played lights oh, out boy, on Sunday and really was the reason, in my opinion, why. Chicago is even in that game. He's one of three Chicago Bears players in history to have one receiving touchdown and a return touchdown. It was the longest return touchdown on a punt, a punt return, I should say, in NFL or in Chicago history. And we're talking about that guy, Devin Hester, over there, who is re- considered by many the best returner in NFL history. So that is saying something. He is not a guy that gets a lot of opportunity. He got traded by Miami, I think for just a fifth round pick earlier this season. So he's worked his way up. We'll have to see if it continues, but he was the reason why Chicago is in that game. In my opinion, for a good chunk of it, because of those two touchdowns, those 14 points that he put on the scoreboard, Jakeem Grant, you deserve a crushing it, man. Hell yeah, man. I mean, the one play where he, on the, the offensive touchdown you had, he just, I mean, it was like he had the turbo boost and Madden right down that sideline, <laughs> blasted by everybody. So, pretty blasted cool. right by everybody. But also, I mean, the the work he did keep those that tightrope walk. Yeah, that's that was true. Impressive. That's true. Um, that is also like Madden though, where you can kind of like you're they're leaning out of bounds, but they won't go fully out of bounds because it's a video game. Um, and you're always like, yeah, he went when, out of bounds. When that happened. <laughs> When that happens in Madden, like they do that that slow down tiptoe thing. Jakeem Grant just looked like he was that, but was still running like twenty miles an hour. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Okay, so now yeah, now you can do your really cool playoffs impersonation. Playoffs. Playoffs. We talking, talking about talking about playoffs. I hope we could just win one game. Uh, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> regardless. Holy moly! Is the playoff picture so tight? I like. Again, every time I say this, I feel like I say it every year, and maybe I don't. I can't remember the last time the playoff picture was this tight between this many teams this late. Am I wrong in saying that? Well, you do say that every year. Okay, but, but I'm I right this year for the first this time year because <laughs> I. Well, I don't want to say for the first time, but this year just truly is different right now, and obviously the added week is a little bit different. But right now we are heading into week. 15 of the NFL football season and only four teams are officially eliminated. I mean, I guess you could, I mean, Chicago at four and nine giants at four and nine aren't really looking at Seahawks technically at five and eight really aren't looking at it either, but they can. So I guess you could say seven if you want to be technical, well, yeah, I but mean, still they're, 
That's, yeah. That's 25 teams that are still like, yeah, we can do <laughs> even this. If, that's crazy. Even if we were, even if we did say, you know, Bears, Giants, Seahawks, Panthers, like if we eliminated those teams with five wins, every other team in the NFL has at least six wins and is tied or one game out of a playoff spot. I mean, that's insane. That's 13 teams in the AFC are, have over six wins or either in a playoff spot or one game out of it and that uh, 11 games in the uh, 11 teams in the NFC. So you're right. That's 24, 25 teams in the NFL that are either in the playoffs or legitimately have a shot to win out and be in the playoffs, right? I mean, it's crazy, especially... You know, we'll look at both sides, but I really want to hone in on this AFC because this is insane. You have the Colts, Bills, Browns, Bengals, Broncos, all – look at the alliteration, BBBB. Um, all of them have seven wins, right? And they're all – so that's one, two, three, four, five teams with seven wins. And then you have the Steelers, Raiders, and Dolphins all with six wins. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six – seven, eight, or nine teams fighting for two or three spots. I mean, that's so crazy. I can't imagine. And I also just saw this. Did you notice that uh, ESPN is doing a Monday night football close down for the last game of the season? Did you know that? No, I don't even know what that means. So I was on so Monday night football, they, they're, they're doing the last game of the year this year, not NBC. Oh, like okay. They, they are getting, and it's it's not even on their schedule. It's, I mean, like, the scheduling says NFL game, but there's not a game scheduled. They're just going to pick the game with the best playoff implications, like like the Sunday night game normally is anyway for the last five or ten okay. years. But they're doing that, yeah. and I'm like, I can't imagine which game it's going to be. It's going to be, like, it's got to probably be, it's probably going to be an AFC North matchup, right? Because you imagine that's going to come down to the final week. But, uh, I mean... I don't even know where to begin with this, but I guess we could start with the top end of we could do both, but like I we also don't even know who's going to be the number 1 seed in the in the NFC. You have three teams tied with 10 wins, and then you've got the Cowboys and the Rams sitting right behind them with 9. So that's five teams that could legitimately be the number one seed when it's all said and done. And then the AFC, you yep. have one, two, three teams with nine wins, two teams with eight wins, and then you've got all those teams with seven wins that are two games behind. So, uh, I mean, who do who do you – who would if you had a gun to your head, if you had to pick who you think ends up being, you know, the top two seeds in each conference, who would you think at this point? Uh, I do feel pretty confident with the Pats right now being with the in the AFC, just having the the tiebreaker over Tennessee right now, having a game up on them. They have a game up on the Chargers, I believe. Did did, did no? They lost that game. Um, they did lose uh, to the Chargers. Not, yeah. I don't know. I thought they won to the Chargers when I had that answer in my head originally. I don't know. I'm. It's just. So gun to my head, I would still say the Pats, uh, and unfortunately, I'd probably say the Bucks. Okay, okay. I feel like I don't know. I feel like I would. I feel like I feel good about the Packers. Um, I haven't really I looked mean, at their they, schedule. I mean, but it's, it's right in front of them. They they need to if they win out, they have it. They control their destiny. Let's look at the Pack schedule real quick. Uh, so the pack have the it's, Ravens it's on Sunday, four. which is yeah. They have the Ravens and the Cleveland. Browns back to back. That's tough. 
and then the Vikings and Lions, and obviously Vikings are a divisional matchup, but not as good as they um, have been in the past. But yeah, I guess that is tough. Um, obviously, Tampa Bay's biggest matchup for the rest of the year was us, because now they've played, I think they play the Panthers twice. <laughs> Which yeah, kind of the Panthers, the Jets are on their upcoming docket. So, <laughs> and I think Atlanta. Did they play Atlanta twice? It, it's they the have Saints. played. They, they play have the played. They have played Atlanta twice. I think it's the Saints, the the Panthers twice. Yeah, it's the Saints. Then they play Panthers, Jets, Panthers. So, <laughs> go go Panthers. Um, regardless, yeah, I think that looking at that schedule makes it a little bit harder for me, but I still believe in the Packers. I'm I I would probably pick them this week. Um who knows about the Browns game, but I feel confident about them matching up against the Lions and the Vikings. It's actually so, if you if you give me what game I'm most worried about, it's Minnesota. Oh I really? Think, I think they will be able to handle a gimpy Lamar who the Ravens have not really in my opinion i talked about it last week i don't think they've played really good football this season i mean they have a winning record that's great but even those wins were sloppy and ugly and lucky i don't really i just i, I don't like it right now cleveland on christmas i think that is in green bay again they they turned it on a little bit against Baltimore, but still came down to a backup quarterback getting within two points. I feel pretty confident about that Christmas Day game. I'm excited to watch. I'm gonna be home with my dad, so I'm excited to watch that one. It's Minnesota because it that is in Green Bay. I think that'll make it a, a, a will tip the scale a little bit. But Minnesota knows how to play Green Bay, and Green Bay knows how to play Minnesota. But it's gonna be tough. Yeah, and they could also be fighting for a spot still as well with that last that last seed in the nfc playoffs right now is washington at six and seven but minnesota philly atlanta and new orleans all have six wins as well and washington's only in there because of the tiebreaker so yeah i mean all these teams are going to be fighting for their spot spot in the end um i will say i just love the confidence of a green bay i think that they totally believe and i don't know if you saw this but i'm assuming you saw it but you know the uh did you see the, I think it's Charles Leno, is it Robert Quinn, did the fake uh, mocking of the belt on the oh, game? Yeah, of course. So I saw somebody, It's this Twitter account is called PackersHistory.com, and it supercut him doing the belt with a picture of Justin Fields with his head hands on his head doing like the what are you doing face and it says when you see your teammate mocking the belt and know what's coming next and Aaron Jones quote tweeted it and says people will learn one day. I, it was I, so, so. I said to Jenna right when that happened, I was like, "Oh, Green Bay just won!" Right, it's over. <laughs> I just thought, I just love the idea that like of a team that you can look at and see something like that and and feel, "Oh yeah, we got like you know that the second that they feel disrespected or the second that they get like a punch or whatever, that they just can flip a switch and Aaron Rodgers could be like, "We're gonna win this," um, and. We've been kind of building up to this for three years now with with Matt Lafleur. We just you just talked about him in our opening segment, and the reality is, I mean, they've been in the NFC title game what two times in a row, three times in a row, two times in a row, yeah. Right. So they're they're getting there and they're getting there and they're getting there. And I mean, if you ask simultaneous catch, Josh and Adam would say that they should have won last year with the bogus calls that. 
Brady got at the end of the game there. Um, <laughs> but they're just getting there and getting there. And I really, there is a sense of urgency with this team, especially not knowing what's happening with Aaron Rodgers heading into the offseason. There's a lot of people that think that it, it depends on how the season ends. If you, I don't know. There was some I, interesting I, tipping of the cap there, though. It was interesting. Yeah, I've seen some, I've seen some reporters say that it doesn't matter, win or lose, he's leaving. I've heard other people say, oh, he's kind of mended relationships. It's just, it's going to be, utterly fascinating to watch heading into the offseason but there is just a sense of urgency with this team that we need to get this done this year um and i just i like that so uh we don't have to keep going crazy about the packers but i thought that was pretty pretty interesting to watch um the the biggest team that i'm want to kind of not the biggest team but one of another team i want to hone in on in the afc picture are these los angeles chargers and they're just so confusing to me because if you ask me gun to my head, do you believe in the Chargers? I'd say probably no, but Ooh, just but but Justin Herbert's been awesome, and that seventy yard bomb to to Jalen Guyton at the end of the half was nothing short of you know breathtaking, and he is thirty. So Justin Herbert now has thirty plus passing touchdowns in each of his first two seasons. It's the first player in NFL history to do that. So he no longer is a first player since Dan Marino anymore. He's just setting his own records. And I just, it's just so crazy to have a quarterback that I really love that's playing really awesome. You've got weapons like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams who looked great. You've got Austin Eckler. You've got these defenders and Derwin James and Joey Bosa. And I still don't know if I believe in your team. And I know that, like legitimately in terms of logistics, I don't. They're in the fifth seed right now of the three playoff spots. I'd be pretty surprised if they're not one of them. But I just don't know if I believe in them. Now they have this huge monster mash matchup with the uh, monster match. Monster. Uh, match. <laughs> they have this monster match. I was just gonna do it again. Oh my goodness gracious! They have this. Yeah, they have a monster matchup on Thursday night against exactly. the Chiefs, and if they if they win, they'd actually take over the division. They do, and then they also have the Broncos and the Raiders still two other teams that are going to be fighting for playoff spots. Although, who's to say and what the Broncos it look like? smacked them around their first meeting? So yeah, which it, this is just so weird, right? And that was I think it was earlier in the season, if I'm not mistaken. But they did beat the Chiefs thirty twenty four in week three, I believe three or four. And then, yeah, the Broncos won 28-13 to 13 against them at the end of November, just two or three weeks ago. So, I don't know, man. I, I, what do you think about the Chargers? Because we talked about them in the offseason, and I mentioned them as a dark horse. We kind of debated over what the definition of dark horse truly was. Um, and then we both recalled and added them to our playoff picture in the middle of the season. And, you know, they got crushed by the Broncos, and then they crushed the Bengals and crushed the Giants. I will say this about the Chargers, and it's not really addressing whether or not I believe in them or whatnot, but I think it's really good to see because I feel like for the until until this past Sunday against the Giants, I really felt like defenses, and it's weird to say because they put up 41 against Pittsburgh, right? But I felt like defenses had really done a good job of kind of figuring out the Chargers offense and slowing down Herbert a little more, making him more uncomfortable because we saw such a hot start at the beginning of the year, right? Like Mike Williams was just going off for a buck 50 every time and Keenan Allen couldn't be stopped and Herb 
Spurt was he's played well all season for all intents and purposes if you look at stats but it slowed down drastically but I feel like it's been picking back up the last two weeks especially this week against the Giants I think that's really good to see because I was getting a little bit worried if I hadn't seen what I believe was a little bit of a turn page there I'd be all over that with you yeah and the Chiefs numbers to the Chiefs numbers aside because this game is huge too but this Broncos team and the Chargers fall under this category in this stat have held seven opponents this season to 16 points or less. They're seven and zero in those games. They've won all seven other games when they held their opponents under 16 total points, including the Chargers a couple weeks ago when the Chargers only scored 13. So it really is about can defenses figure out these offenses. And that was one of those games where you looked and said, Oh, I think they're figuring out this Chargers offense. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. All of these teams are fighting for their lives, and it just makes for, so for for the most part, really great weekends. I mean, yeah, that- because everything is so close, <laughs> a lot of these games are playoff games. Yeah. And, like, I mean, that late window on Sunday, and maybe I'm a little bit biased because it was my team, that had to have been one of the most exciting late game windows we've had all year because both the Bengals 49ers game, which was basically a pl- felt like a playoff game, and the Bucks Bills game, both went into overtime after comebacks late in the game by both teams that eventually actually ended up losing, unfortunately. But I'm like, I had the the Bengals. 49ers on my on my laptop with Sunday ticket and then obviously Bill's Bucks up on the TV and it was just back and forth right big play after big play and both teams in both games got possessions you know in the Bengals game you saw the rare after you got back from Walmart of course yes of course after I got back from Walmart after, we had the rare Bengals 49ers <laughs> overtime where the Bengals went down kicked a field goal but then the 49ers came down and scored the touchdown after the field goal and then you had the both teams Brandon get the ball both teams get the ball in the Bills Bucks game. Buffalo doesn't get get it down the field, and then the Bucks score the touchdown instead of just kicking the game winning field goal. I mean, it was it was a nuts afternoon window, and due in large part to how close these playoff pictures are going to be. I mean, we could take a screenshot right now of what these look like. I would be shocked if it just comes out this way, right? I'd be shocked if this is just what it looks like and this is what it ends up like, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, like this is not, I don't think, locked in. I mean, maybe more so in the NFC besides those last two spots because they have a lot more pull. But the AFC, it, it's anybody's game still. So before we move on to the next question about who we think the best team in the NFL is, because this is the hot button topic around most NFL media right now. If you had to pick for the seven seed for both, like, like gun to your head right now, if you had to say who you think ends up being the teams that... Like, pick a team that is on the bubble for each, the one for the AFC and one for the NFC. This is kind of skipping to cold reads, but I just want to know, and we're talking about this, which which team from each conference do you think, okay, I think that they'll probably sneak in? Uh, I'm still, I still believe in Cincinnati. Obviously, okay. losing to the 49ers was really big and pushing them out of the playoffs. They could have been sitting kings of their own division had they won. I, I very much... I don't want to say very much. That might be over-exaggerating, but I do believe in them. I think they have a very good shot of being in that dance, especially depending on what happens with Baltimore and the health of Lamar Jackson. I think Baltimore is downplaying that a little bit for confidence standpoint because they know they're reeling, but I am a little bit worried about that. If I had to pick on 
the NFC on the bubble teams, I still kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, okay. I will say on the Bengals side, the Bengals have kind of a gauntlet, but it would play into their favor if they're winning these games because they play all of the teams that they're fighting for these spots. They play the Broncos this weekend, which kind of feels like a loser leaves town match. And then you they play the Ravens in Cincy. Then they play the Chiefs in Cincy. And then they go on the road to the Browns in the final week of the season. That feels like a contender for that Monday night end of season See, matchup right so, there. So, like I said, that's just looking at the Bengals. Every yeah. single one of those is a playoff game. Isn't yep. that cool? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, and then Philly has Washington twice, the Giants once, and then last game of the season against the Cowboys. So, that's another team that has... You know, things ahead of them. Washington twice. Washington's right ahead of them, right? And then all they would need is the Vikings to, to stutter once, and then they would make it in. So those are two good teams that you hone in on. But you're right. Those are all playoff games, man, and it's super exciting. Um, yeah, I think that – and I don't know which team would drop out if the Bengals went in. And But right now, you know, if the Ravens continue to fall, you know, the Bengals and the Browns could end up still winning this Division One game out, and the Ravens could be on the outside looking in, which would be – tough but yeah. I mean I'm also not going to pretend like the Bills couldn't be that team too because you know while I think that they knock on wood will beat the you know the AFC South matchups and probably the Jets that uh, second Pats game is looming having lost to the Bucks and the Pats so regardless it should be a lot of fun the and Colts some have a gauntlet catch. too they definitely yeah, have to true. earn their spot so for sure for sure all right let's answer this question to you Mr. Joshua Lapping who do you think is the best team in the NFL right now? Right now, if I had to pick, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs as the team that I think is the Ooh. best team in football. I think their defense okay. has turned it on in such a strong way, especially compared to what we saw at the very beginning of the year. They have only they the last three games and against Dallas will – have to it obviously matters i think that amari cooper was out and cd lamb got knocked out but they their last three games have given up 27 total points nine points per game four games ago was just 14 points against the las vegas raiders their defense is turning it on they are kind of starting to figure out this too high safety thing so they can't just chuck the football down every time every every game now they're running the ball well Clyde Edwards Alaire came on really really well against Vegas last week scored two touchdowns I, I, I I'm feeling this the, these Chiefs right now and there is a reason I I pick them over what I want to pick <laughs> well uh, so well I'm glad you picked that because I'm gonna pick what you want to pick and I think it's the Packers and I know that I know that the the Bucks just handled us and they looked pretty darn good for one half against us basically and then a play in overtime. But I think it's legitimately the Packers. Now they, they start obviously they started off with that weird thirty five point loss to the Saints. Um and then they just kind of went on a tear, right? Uh then they went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight, right? And then they had that weird game against the Chiefs where Aaron Rodgers had COVID and it was Jordan Love, and then they shut out the Seahawks. They lost a tight one to the Vikings, but then they beat the Rams and then they crushed the the Bears. Um and I know that it was kind of back and forth, but I mean 
the Packers really kind of crushed the Bears in the end there. Um, I just believe in this team way more than I believe in any other team. And I know that I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl, and I really liked what I saw from them on Monday night. Um, I love how they got people involved, and I love what Stafford looks like, and you know Sean McVay responding to the whole Cliff Kingsbury. I'd never beaten him, and then they kind of beat them down the last time they matched up. So, I mean, I like the Rams. I get people if they want to say the Bucks, but I just think it's the Packers. I think... Aaron Rodgers is playing great. You have Aaron Jones, who's always been great, but then you're able to mix in your your secondary running back with eight, with uh, D- Dylan, and then obviously Devonte Adams is still, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the NFL. We've talked about that, you know, every time we've done our top ten lists, those are always fun. But I think for the most part, he's normally up there. And I just I love, and I I wanted to make this point to you as well as the Packer fan. I think that it is never more evident than it has been before that Aaron Rodgers is so right about being upset that Green Bay will send away receivers that he likes. And my point with this being, it's been a couple years now of Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard. And you could throw Equinemius St. Brown on there too if you'd like. <laughs> but, but more so the two of those that I said. And we're always like waiting for it to happen, right? What's kind of happening this year? The two of them make plays consistently now. And I think because the key to it with Aaron Rodgers is having enough time for him to figure you out and you to figure him out so that you can play well together. We would talk all the time about the mental connection that him and Devontae Adams have on those back shoulder fades and not even just those routes, but obviously that's the more most deadly one that they have in their arsenal but we talk about it all the time about having that mental connection with the receivers. And I think that's what it's about with Aaron. And that's what Aaron tries to tell ownership and, and, and the GMs and the coaches that I just need time with these guys. Give me time with these guys and we'll figure it out and we'll do it. The year they won the Super Bowl, he had Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson, two of the guys that arguably he had always had the best connections with, right? So, you know, we'll see how the season goes. But I think that he's finally locked in with the secondary guys in MVS and Lazard. And they still have Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and Devontae Adams on this team. And the offensive line is playing well. They're getting healthy. And you've got some dogs in this defense. So I just, if I had to tell you, that would be the team that I would pick. I know that's maybe not the most popular pick right now, even though they're the number one seed. Um, But that's who I would confidently say right now. I don't think it's anybody in the AFC. I think it's somebody in the NFC and I would say the Packers. I mean, it it makes a ton of sense. I I think maybe not so much on paper because I think actually on the contrary, their offensive line is hurting so so much. They have done Oh, are they? Oh my god, I didn't tackle, know that. <laughs> starting guard, starting center, Billy Turner, their other starting tackle went out last week. So they're playing with with backups, but it's just continuing to to gel now. This is a team that very much could get the Cavalry coming here really soon. David Bakhtiari is supposed to practice this week. Jair Alexander very well, I think, in my opinion, is a top five corner in the league, is is trying to get back out of the practice field. Zadarius Smith coming back. Uh, if you put him out on the field with Rashawn Gary, keep him, keep Gary and Preston Smith out there at inside linebackers and have Zadarius Smith move on the inside. You know, that that could be really scary because Kenneth Clark is playing really well 
as well. But yeah, I hear you. I mean, like this team is, it feels like it's something special because they are having players signed off people's practice squads come in and to have two pick sixes in two weeks. And they are having a rookie cornerback step up and be a guy on the outside that is grading extremely, extremely well. They are having, you know, an emergence of a second-year running back that people, including you and I, were like, why in the world would you draft this running back in the second round? Like, what are you doing with this draft right now? He's coming in, and he is being a difference maker because this isn't Aaron Rodgers just shooting Jordy Nelson down the field for 75 yards every time. This is a Green Bay that's holding the ball and controlling the clock. I will say the reason I don't think they are the best team in the NFL right now is because... Uh, and this is, you know, the talk of the town in Green Bay right now, especially after Sunday. They're special teams. Their special teams have been so bad all year. It started with the kicking game. It started with, you know, Mason Crosby, and they, they changed the long snapper holder combination, and that took time to gel. He's been kicking a little bit better the last couple of weeks, but then we saw last week, and it could be a fluke thing. Who's to say? Kick coverage, because it hasn't been as bad as it was last week against Chicago, which was just horrid. But Amari Rodgers can't punt return. I'm so anxious every time I see him back there. I'm like, get this kid out of there. He can still develop into a fine wide receiver in the NFL. It's very, very possible. But as a returner, I'm like, get get this guy out of here. I can't take this. They don't even <laughs> need their special teams to be special. They just need to be normal. Like, dang. what I just want... What I want more than anything right now, and this has been, I saw my first article when looking up Green Bay today on the news and like Google News, bring back Tyler Irving. Like what is taking so long? Go get that special teams guy because that's what you need right now. <laughs> I did like Tyler Irving. And I do love when you get fired up about your teams. It's always a lot of fun. But regardless, we'll obviously see how it all plays out. And that's what we watch every week. And we'll be here to cover it every week until the end of the season. So before we get into Pal's picks, uh, I I was able to sneak in most of my cold reads. I do have one more. Do you have any cold reads? I have a cold read, but uh, I'll ask because I, I am curious. I realize okay. that you have been... You've been down on the Raiders for most of the year, right? It was yep, never a team that you fully believed in. You said that the the doomsday was this coming, that they were going to fall off, and and they have. But I want to know, outside of you being like, I just never believed in them. Yeah. I mean, they've had so much happen, right? Things that we've talked about they have, and documented yes. well on this show. Yeah. But how have we seen, like, the first two weeks, like, this was the – league leader in passing yards and they were doing all this stuff like what what's happened and how even if you don't want them to how do you feel like they get back on track i mean it's in some unfortunate way for the raiders is it's classic raiders right they did this last year i think they were six and two at one point and then ended up missing the playoffs and almost losing to the jets probably should have lost to the jets if not for uh good old friend good old pal greg over there but yeah i mean they wanted the crazy game in overtime against the ravens in week one and then they beat the steelers then they beat the dolphins in overtime i mean they started off really strong and then they floundered and they I mean, they have losses on their schedule to teams like the bears and the giants and they got beat a couple weeks ago by washington by two and the bengals crushed them and 
then they have this weird game on Thanksgiving where they beat the Cowboys in overtime with the Cowboys have all their players out. It's just, it's weird to me that a team that has a lot of talented players, and they do. I actually think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. I think he's been, I think ever since his one season where he had that MVP talk and they went 12 wins and lost in the playoffs because he ended up getting injured, the Connor Cook game, if I remember correctly. Ever since that season, I think he's been massively underrated because he's been pretty darn good. But they have players on this team. I mean, Josh Jacobs is a great back. They have Jaron Waller, who's been injured and, and banged up. I, I'll give you that. Um, and they've got some players on defense. We've talked about Max Crosby and how good he is. We've talked about Carl Nassib and how good he is. Like There are good players on, this, on both sides of the football. Uh, Jonathan Abram, a, a safety that I really love. I just don't get why they can't get it all together. And maybe it really was a lot of this other stuff behind the scenes for the last handful of years brewing behind the scenes and the players and the organization not feeling and operating to their best of their ability. Because there's something to be said about a hostile work environment that's very toxic that, you know, the people who are leading your your organization are not the best of people that can really impact you. It absolutely can. So maybe that's part of it, but the answer to how they get back on track is they win the games coming up because it's the same thing with the other teams that I just mentioned. They play the Browns, the Broncos, the Colts and the chargers. It's all in front of them, right? They play all three teams except for the bills that are right in front of them in the playoff picture. So if they want to get back on track, that's how they do it in this season. But if they want to get back in track in terms of like the overall picture, they need to find a coach that is just the pinnacle of virtue. They need to find your guy who is totally good, who is about caring for his players, who is and it's it's a weird thing to talk about in terms of like professionalism but just somebody who is so morally pure and it's obvious to everybody so that they can lead this organization in a complete opposite direction that obviously we didn't know at the time but now looking back on it that obviously John Gruden wasn't leading this team in that way so we'll see what happens but the stuff that has happened to the Raiders this season including the John Gruden thing the Henry Ruggs thing and probably more things to come with more emails to be looked at but these are the types of things that totally derail organizations for years. And I don't I'm not saying I want to see that from the Raiders because there's a lot of people that I like on this team and in this organization and I still actually really like Mike Mayock and I think he has done an underrated job as a GM even though people will kind of crush him for some of the weird picks that he's made. A lot of them actually turn out to be really good players. I, I don't want to see this team flounder, but it kind of feels like they're just going to continue to do that. And you're right. I mean, early on, I never really believed in them, and I actually think I unmasked them on our Halloween episode. But I I just think I just think this team has been a pretender for all season, and we're seeing it now when they're losing 48-9 to nine against the Chiefs, which the Chiefs are good, but 48-9 to nine is rough. <laughs> and they're going to find out. They're going to go to Cleveland this week. And then they're going to be home for the Broncos to Indianapolis and then home for the Chargers. So they can totally flip the script and make me look like an idiot, but I don't see it happening. All right. All right. Anyway, My I have one cold read. Oh, oh I still sorry, have one more, Adam. Sit go down. ahead. All right. I am sitting actually. Talking and this is 
a pure hypothetical question because I don't think it's realistic, but I want to get your thoughts on it. We saw even last night's game, the Monday night game, get impacted by COVID-19. And this week, COVID-19 kind of blew up the NFL as big as we've seen it in quite some time with 37 at the two players of last night. OBJ actually just po- tested positive today. So it's 40 positive COVID tests as of today, Tuesday, December 14th. That is the highest number that it's been since I believe before football even started this year. I did see a hypothetical. I can't remember if they were talking about it during the game or I read an article or, or something, but they were talking about teams getting doing a, doing a lockdown to keep safe as they head into these playoff pushes because this is going to become a big thing. We didn't see it impact the Rams the way a lot of people thought it might have losing their star corner and Jalen Ramsey. But what, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like teams, especially maybe not so much players, but coaches are, are on edge about this right now? Look, I'm going to say this. We talked about this on the show earlier, and we've tried for the most part. And obviously, we haven't really had to a ton because, thankfully, most of the season has been not really affected by COVID-19 for the most part. And we talked about this before, but the majority of these players and coaches that are testing positive, and it gets reported, I mean, this is public information, are unvaccinated. I mean, it gets reported every single time, and they know it because of the way the protocols are. Once the team announces how their strategy, like what their strategy is to attack what's happening, you know right off the bat, based off that strategy, if they're vaccinated or not. And over 90% of these cases are unvaccinated people. I mean, what what more of a, a numbers crunch do you need to look at than, oh, all these people are unvaccinated? Maybe we should just all be vaccinated so that we're all safer. I, d- I don't know what you need to look at to look at that and see like, what other answer are you drawing for this? What other conclusion can you draw? Now, that being said, I know that there are some people with medical conditions that make it hard for that, and that's fine, but that's also why the people who don't have that need to get vaccinated to protect those other people and not be selfish about it. But all of that being said, all of that being out of the door, yeah, I think it's entirely possible a lot of these teams can go into a lockdown. If they're not going to do other take other steps then you have to sacrifice other liberties to stay safe and make sure that you can accomplish what you want right it is entirely your choice whether or not you want to get vaccinated but if you don't then you have to follow the rules in place for if you're not right like there's this misconception in this country that just because you're free to do whatever you want doesn't mean you're free from any consequences like you're free to say what you want but everybody else is also free to make you suffer the consequences of what you say. You're free to do whatever you want, but there are still consequences of those actions, good or bad. Saying that it's a free country doesn't mean that I get to do whatever I want and I don't get to be I don't get to suffer any repercussions because of it. So, I won't I won't go on a tirade for this super long. I just I think that that's the obvious answer. And if we're taking that off the table, then yeah, I could definitely see lockdowns happening and, you know, they kind of did it last year during the season and it worked out and we got through a full season so i'm not super worried about it but i mean it's crunch time right now we talked about it in the off season when the kirk cousins thing happened with the preseason game when i was like if it's crunch time and this is happening to your star players well it's crunch time and it's happening to star players we'll see what happens fascinating 
Anyway, I have one cold read. All right. I, w- I want to see what our resident OBJ super fan feels about the fact that OB- Odell Beckham Jr. has been pretty great the last couple of weeks. Ob- Odell Beckham Jr. in his entire ten- two-year tenure with the Cleveland Browns had three receiving touchdowns. He has now scored three straight receiving touchdowns for the L.A. Rams. I'm sure everybody's heard that stat. I'm sure you've heard that stat. This season with the Cleveland Browns, OBJ played six games. He had 17 catches for 232 yards and no touchdowns. With four games in the, in an L.A. Rams uniform, he has 15 catches, 204 yards, and three touchdowns. There's the famous quote from this weekend, OBJ was never the problem. What do we feel about the situation now, just four weeks removed, but with a with a, with a chunk of a sample size of OBJ playing pretty well? What do we think about it? Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of both things. I think... I, I would not go as far as to say I don't think OBJ is is lighting anything up. He's not crushing. He's not he's not Cooper Cup right now, right? But he's doing what he needs to do, and he's doing it well. But this is the reason why he went to a team like LA or had, came down to a team like Green Bay. He wasn't sitting there thinking like, you know what? I think I could be a pretty good wide receiver on the Houston Texans. Was he? Probably not. He's doing what he needs to do because... They have a great offensive-minded coach. He's no longer the solely focused guy. Cooper Cup's over there, and we know teams are trying like heck to shut him down. So when OBJ runs out there and can catch four for 60 yards and a touchdown, like, yeah, that's what I would expect. That's what I expect OBJ to be. He's being a really good number two wide receiver right now. I think not being the problem in Cleveland, I don't, I don't know. Because I think the situation and we talked about it when all the drama came out I just don't think the situation in Cleveland was right I think Cleveland is still better without him too because when he was on the field with Baker not so much the first or I should say not so much this year but we saw Baker try to force feed Odell we saw defenses be able to hone in on Odell because outside of their running game we knew that he was their most quote-unquote talented wide receiver so teams got to play him different and it was not a recipe for success right now being the number two wide receiver being in an offensive scheme having cooper cup take defensive attention away he's doing exactly what he should be doing and that's why he went there and that's why it's working and it's paying off okay okay Odo Beckham Jr., three straight games with a touchdown. It's the first time he's done it since 2015 when he was a New York Giant. Um, and it's a good point about Cooper Cup. He has now topped 90-plus receiving yards in nine straight games. This ties Hall of Famer Michael Irvin uh, when he did it in 1995. And, ironic, new teammate Odo Beckham Jr. did it in 2014. Uh, those are the three people with the longest... <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. In the last 70 years in the NFL, those are the only three players to go nine straight games with 90-plus receiving yards. So, pretty cool. But I, I I, think you're right for the most part. I just I love poking at you with, with OBJ. So, regardless. No, but, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I, I think OBJ is the perfect number two wide receiver, and I think that's what he needs to be right now, and that's what he is right now, and it's working. Sure, yeah. I also do like Van Jefferson. Props to Van Jefferson. He's been pretty pretty good too. 
Uh, regardless, his dad last night. That was pretty. Cool. Oh yeah, that was fun. That was pretty fun. Then the little shot of him like getting angry when his son scored the big bomb. That was fun. Regardless, with that being said, it is time for pals picks. Oh yeah, I gotta say you did that pretty well on your episode. Thank you. Yeah, that was I a pretty good job. That. that was a pretty good episode. Regardless, give him the rundown, pal. So there we go. It was a rough week for both of us on the episode. I predicted that I would go 0-3. Shouldn't have put that in the universe because I did. Didn't win a single <laughs> game. You won one by the hair of your chinny-chin-chin with picking the Browns when Lamar played eight minutes. Yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> you you got that game. We would have combined one and five last week. Not that great. I'm sitting at sixteen and twenty. You are sitting at seventeen and nineteen. You are one game ahead right now. Well, all right, man. You gave the games first. Go ahead. There we go. I did get to give the games first. I tried to bring a gauntlet because you know I need to. We're getting down to the wire. It feels like we're getting down to the wire, but really, we still have like a month of football, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> Regardless. Here we go. Playoff game. Number one, the New England Patriots traveling to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, You know, I'm not going to pontificate too much here. I'm going with my heart over my head. I'm picking the Colts because I need it to happen. I'm willing it to happen. I'm I'm, I'm going back to my delusional Buffalo Bills fan days where I still believe we can win this division. And if the Colts beat the Patriots and we beat the Patriots then we overtake the division so I'm going to pick the Colts I, I will give one analysis thing here I do think you can run on the on the Patriots defense and it's happened a couple of times this year where teams have run on the Patriots and I think if the Colts can grab a lead and just pound the ball with Jonathan Taylor I think that there's a legitimately a le- like a legit shot that the Colts come away with this game I like it. I like it. I will say, just to to poke at that, though, it seems like no matter how well the Colts run the football, they always chuck it up a couple of times. We know it's an opportuni- opportunistic defense there in New England, so I'm a little bit worried that Carson Wentz could spoil what it's a perfectly great Colts it game. It definitely could happen. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> Second game, divisional game, playoff game. The Washington football team traveling to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I was all on this Washington train, and I will say, uh, to reveal a a brief conversation I had with my cousin about the Cowboys, I did say that I picked against them a couple of weeks ago, and I told him, I was like, I told our buddy Mike that I did it just to reverse jinx them so they won, and then they won, and my cousin was like, you need to pick against them the rest of the year so that we win, so it worked again. I, I tried to jinx you guys again last week, and it didn't work, and you won. Um, although I will say, I actually texted him oh, when they nice were up. I texted them when they were up twenty-seven to eight, and I was like, "See the curse! Like it, it worked. I didn't jinx you guys." And then <laughs> the Washington scored twice, and I was like, "Wait, I'm kidding! Washington's gonna win. I'm sorry." <laughs> and then Dallas ended up winning. It was actually pretty funny. Uh, it's like that scene in Moneyball where they're gonna finish the twenty-game streak and. The GM is and Brad Pitt's like, I never go to the games. It's bad luck. And then he shows up to the game and the team starts to waver. And he's like, I knew it. I'm the curse. So that was pretty fun. Regardless, I think I'm going to go with Philly here. I think Philly coming off the bye. And I don't even care if it's Hurts or Minshew. I think it'll be Hurts. But 
this Washington defense has lost even more places pieces on its defense, and it had that really great stretch right there where they went on that four game win streak, and we were ready to to hop on the Washington bandwagon. I was certainly there too with Taylor Heineke and the whole crew. But I think that their defense lost even more pieces over the week, and their offense just, you know, it, it, it looks like it's not a problem when you're winning game 17-15, but when you're only, you know, when you're putting up under 20 points and you're still winning the games, that's that's good, but it's not great. And when you play other teams that can score, which Philly can definitely score, I think it's a problem. So I think uh, Philly gets it done. All right, all right, perfect. Playoff game number three, the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to take on the Denver Broncos. So this is definitely the hardest one out of the three for me, and I think that I'm going to go Bengals, and the Bengals have kind of burned me the last three times I picked them to win, but I just think they're the better team slightly. I don't think it's by a lot. I just believe in their quarterback more than Teddy. And I love, I mean, you got you and I love Teddy Wheels, right? We love Teddy Two Gloves. But I just think that when it comes down to crunch time, which quarterback's going to make the play? I believe in Joe Burrow, who made some great plays down the stretch and was getting crushed by that 49ers defense all day, made some clutch plays down the stretch to put them in the position to win that game. Obviously, didn't end up going the way that they wanted, but I think I just believe in Burrow enough more than I believe in the the Broncos and Teddy Bridgewater. There we go. I like it. So to recap, you took the Indianapolis Colts over the New England Patriots for no other reason than being the Buffalo Homer, taking the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, and no, and any quarterback that starts over the Washington football team, and then the Bengals on the road over Teddy Two Gloves and the Denver Broncos. I have a lot, I have a lot riding on Jalen Hurts in two of the six leagues that I made the playoffs, and he's my quarterback, so I kind of hope he's fine and is okay. Regardless, so you obviously picked the three probably arguably best games of the weekend, and so I kind of got tried to get creative with my pick. So let's go Titans at Steelers. We've got... I mean, a playoff game definitely for the Steelers, who are at 6-6-1, six, six, and one, sitting on the outside looking into the playoff picture. Still only a game and a half out of the divisional lead, uh, playing against the Tennessee Titans, who righted the ship on the shutout of Jacksonville over the weekend. Yeah, I'm going to go with a team that burned me a little bit last week. I'm going to pick the Steelers again. You know, I Ooh, okay. against Minnesota, but... Mostly, I just didn't like what I saw against for Tennessee against Jacksonville. They were coming off their bye. They did everything perfectly defensively. They had at least, I know they had the four interceptions. I don't even know if they had any fumble recoveries, but four turnovers, and you only turned that into 20 points against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense? No, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't. That's a good point. That's a good right point. Now, right now, Pittsburgh's defense is reeling in the run game, which. Duanta Foreman did run better against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they don't have a Dalvin Cook, so I think they'll be able to hone in on that a little bit more. I'm still going to take the Steelers at home. That's a good. That's a good way of looking at it. And if you just look at the fourth quarter, Big Ben looks like he's 37 instead of 39. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to the second game. Uh, let's go to the Jets at the Dolphins. Can the Dolphins make it six straight games and be a half a game out of a playoff spot? Yeah, this one, this one, 
I feel like I just want to be the homer and take the Dolphins. I am going to take the Dolphins, but there is so much going on right now. They don't, I guess they did technically elevate a running back from the practice squad, but every single running back going on the COVID list, <laughs> not that I think that's a huge deal because Miami can't run the football for garbage anyways. So it's been, they have been who's better. The, who's the running back? back? Uh, it's Duke Johnson right now. Who's <laughs> He's pretty good. I mean, Duke Johnson, he's been around the league. He's always been a guy, so he just like, never got that opportunity, but he can do some stuff. But like I said, no one runs for Miami anyways. But Javon Holland also went on the COVID list, and that does scare me a little bit about the defensive back, uh, defensive backfield a tiny bit. But against Zach Wilson, I still feel like Brian Flores will scheme up a uh, confusing enough defense, capitalize a little bit on a porous Jets offensive line. I will take the Dolphins at home. I mean, I definitely agree. I just was kind of struggling on which games to give you, and no, I just totally kind fair. of wanted your opinion. Regardless, this could be, this could be a huge trap game, though. So, it, no, well, that's the other thing is I looking at the games. I was thinking which game looks like it should be a no-brainer that could end up being an upset, and you know, three-win frisky New York is definitely one of those teams that beat the Bengals and the Titans, right? So they could have a game against the Dolphins in which they win. That's feasible. Uh, regardless, let's go to the final game of the week for Powell's picks. Let's go to the Shanahan Bowl, the Atlanta Falcons facing the 49ers who are running the table here in the NFC playoffs. They are now sitting at the sixth seed, 7-6. and six. I think that they were 3-4 and four at one point, 2-4 and four at one point. I mean... They were falling off the face of the earth, but you picked them to win a division at the top of the season. They're seven and six now, and we're headed into the last couple of weeks. So, who we got in this game? Oh, it does seem like we lost Mr. Josh Lapping here. Let's see if we can get him back on the line. But reason I'm giving him this game is I just think that I really think that I love to give him these uh, these Falcons matchups because I think that they they can tend to trip him up every now and then. And there he is. Okay, we got him back. Cool. I was vamping for a little bit. I didn't turn off the audio. We'll fix that later. Regardless, yes, I was saying that I like to give you these Falcons games thinking that I'm going to trip you up. But let's talk about it. Falcons traveling to yeah. face the 49ers. So I was also saying during during our little break – the Falcons have done what they needed to do to to get them back in the playoff race, be in that dance, and that is all well and good. Way to be Atlanta Falcons. The last thing I was saying, and I will say it to you because it should so rightfully be said to you, is last week I got metaphorical egg on my face when you had literal egg on your face. So I think that's just important to note. <laughs> I'm going to pick against the Falcons again, though. I'm going to go with the 49ers. I don't I, – I really like the 49ers' defense right now. Like you said, they were all over Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I think they are, are turning an edge. They're playing with a different confidence right now, and I think they will make Maddie Matty Wheels, as we lovingly call him, not have so much wheels. I think Nick Bosa should be able to take advantage and, and make some plays there. And I don't think anybody – as much as I love Deion Jones and Frank, I don't know how to say his last name. I like those middle linebackers. I don't think they can compete with George Kittle right now. He's on a tear. 
We're going to take the 49ers at home. All home right. sweep. It's a home sweep for Mr. Joshua Lapping. The Steelers over the Titans, Dolphins over the Jets, and the 49ers over the Falcons. And that was Pal's Picks, ladies and gentlemen. Delightful. Oh, yeah. All right. It's time for a Fantasy Corner. Fantasy Corner. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. What? Our first year... In the playoffs. In the playoffs. We did it, man, out of us. We made it. <laughs> man, what a roller coaster. Our fantasy season pretty much perfectly encapsulates what the regular season is. I mean, was. we were riding it's high the, the whole coaster. first half of the season. We were the number one team by far. Not so much now. I think we got in on the last Snuck spot. Snuck <laughs> in the last spot of the playoffs after splitting with the median this week. Uh, beating man after I was so bummed by that yeah. and I, I blame Cooper Cup two for points that two points when Devontae Adams when Devonte Adams caught those two touchdowns I was like man we beat the median we're good we're gonna make I it. will also say this if we had beaten the median we would be the number three team because we have more points than the number three team and we would have had a tied record so it's the that's what fantasy is <laughs> it is pretty crazy how close this league is. so I mean we have a very fascinating matchup in the first week of the season. Uh, right now, we are projected to lose by, I think, two points. Um, but they've got players with COVID. We've got players with COVID. It's going to be fascinating to look at. Um, but I will say, with this news that you just mentioned about um, the Miami backfield, we're always looking for running backs. Are we going to look at a Duke Johnson pickup this week? I don't know. I mean, it's it's certainly a possibility. Like I said, nobody from Miami can run anyways. Do we really want that? That's a fair point. <laughs> Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny was great. And I remember I actually – so this is Fantasy Corner. I ended up losing in that Dynasty League to try to make the playoffs. I lost by half a point because Matt Gay, the kicker for the Rams, put up 14 points. I was devastated. And I was talking to you that whole morning. I was like, do I just pick up – Rashad Penny and flex him and we were like I don't know and you said well he's going to be involved and I was like yeah but he said that about Adrian Peterson and I should have just picked him up and flexed him and I would have won by 20 points so um I don't know man it's tough (laughs) 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 but I did lose that playoff it was a playoff matchup it wasn't actually um to get into the playoffs which sucks even more but regardless um I did end up making it. I don't know how many leagues you're in, but I made it in one, two, three, four, five, six, six leagues I made it in, including ours. I don't know how many leagues you made it into the playoffs, but. Um, including ours, is it like simultaneous? Yeah, including catch? that one. It's probably a better. better uh, then. That's probably a better. I made it. Are we? Are we not counting like guillotine leagues? Are you still in a guillotine league? Nah, I did. Ah, oh, dang! I was rooting for you. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I, I'll tell you about it off air. It's messed up. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, so if we if we don't include guillotine leagues, or if we do, I'm in one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. Which is probably a, which is seven leagues, and I made it in four. 
Okay, so that's, that's probably a slightly better percentage than me making it in six out of, I think I'm in 11 or 10 or 11. But regardless, fantasy football, man, it comes and goes so fast. Let's see if we can make some of our money back. I'm certainly not going to win in our I will say this, and I know that I think some of the people from that fantasy league listen. I don't know who does, but I face my arch nemesis in our dynasty diehard fantasy league, our 16-team full roster fantasy league where we have full defenses. I face my arch nemesis who always comes at me in the chat, and I stop responding because it's crazy some of the stuff that they say. And I faced them, and they are—I don't know if you saw this—they already posted in the chat and said, oh, "Adam Rossi already lost the playoffs because he plays me first week." I want to win this game so bad. Oh. I want to win so bad. So we'll see what happens. I need my man Josh Allen to get his freaking walking boot off so he can throw up four touchdowns this weekend to Stephon Diggs because I do have that duo in our dynasty league, but. Uh, that's my Super Bowl this week. I know I'm not going to win in that league because we've got some pretty disgusting teams in that league. Um, I think the one team that won your division only lost. Hey, I believe in you. We'll see what happens. But regardless, um, yeah. Any other fantasy stuff you want to chat about? No. <laughs> I'm just bummed about. I. It was. It was such a. This guillotine got me down, man. Oh, I'm so. sorry, man. Guillotine's fun. For those of you who don't, who haven't played any other fantasy leagues other than just normal, standard, you know, redraft, there's dynasty leagues, which you keep your team and you draft rookies every year, which is pretty fun. Josh and I are in a couple of those now over the last couple of years. You have all kinds of different leagues, though. And one of them is guillotine, where you draft a team at the start of the year and you normally have 16, 17, 18 teams in the league. And every week, the lowest scoring team that week gets cut off. They get guillotined, right? And then their players get added to free agency, and then you bid on their players every week to see who you get. And it's all it's a it's a money management game. It's also a strategy game of who to pick up when, how much money to spend when. And then every week you go, and Josh and I have done it for a couple of years in a row now. And I did get knocked out of mine, not this week, but the week before, because of a because of Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara both being out. Had I had them, I would have been the highest scoring team this week in that guillotine. But so guillotine's tough, but it's a lot of fun. Sure is. We'll be back at it. I can't wait to hear the story because you're really upset about this. Regardless, we got friends fortune. Friends fortune. I do have a friends fortune. All right. You want to go first or you want me to go first? You can go. All right. First. It's going to take me 20 seconds, okay? Three, two, one, go. All right. Okay. So I am all over this Colts upset right now. I'm going full Homer right now. Sorry, Pats fans, for listening. Jonathan Taylor will score four total touchdowns against this Patriot defense in a crushing defeat or a crushing victory, sorry, against the New England Patriots. All right. Was that 20 seconds? It was a little bit Son of a gun. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Regardless, here I go. All right. I'm going to go to that Colts-Pats matchup. And I do agree with Adam that I think the Colts or the Pats can get run on. But I also think, you know, New England can come out and run pretty darn well as well. I think we're going to see over 350 total rushing yards from both teams combined. 350 from both teams. Was that 20 seconds? Exactly 20 seconds. Boom. Regardless. 
Seventeen's catch, we're back, man. We're f- back. We're full up and running. The playoffs are underway. It's the holiday season. I'm excited, man. There's going to be a lot of really great football and hopefully some from my team. <laughs> Here we go, everybody. I do have a couple of tidbits. Uh, I wanted to point out this is a mini uh, bigger than football, bigger than sports moment. Uh, if you listen to the show long enough, you know that Josh and I are both fans of Pat McAfee. Uh, Pat McAfee, the Pat McAfee show that is produced on YouTube. They did come out with a massive agreement that they reached with FanDuel. They made a ton of money, and Pat dropped this video kind of taking it through the process of what he did when he retired when people were like, he shouldn't be retiring. And then he was like, I'm going to start this venture, and he started working for Barstool, and then he did get up on ESPN, and then they started the Pat McAfee show. And they reached this massive deal for, I think, four- to five-year deal where FanDuel is just going to be the number one supporter of the podcast so they can take it in other places. And what was the first thing the Pat McAfee show did? They donated over $10 million of the money that they made to a variety of causes in his hometown of Plum, uh, Plum, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indianapolis, uh, and then Peyton Manning's Children's Hospital and many more. So those are just some of the places that they donated to. And I just think it's really awesome. And it's just proof that... If you're in this industry and you're in a position of of power where you can help other people, that the, the impact that you can truly have. And you and I have always liked Pat McAfee when he was playing. He was one of your favorite players because he did stand up, and you were telling me about him. And I just he's a great guy. Uh, they have it's a really fun show. Aaron Rodgers is on it every week. They do great interviews. They're just guys talking football, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So I wanted to give a little tidbit out to that. I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Well yeah. deserved. And then uh, another tidbit I wanted to say was the starting fullback, Johnny Stanton, for the Cleveland Browns, I don't know if you knew this, is a big Dungeons & Dragons fan. And Dungeons & Dragons, something that uh, Josh and I actually started playing with our best friend Andrew a couple of years back. We haven't played in a while. But it was something that I always wanted to play but hadn't really played a ton. Uh, and so Andrew got us together to to play and it was a lot of fun and it's something that I've actually gotten to play a lot more in the last year. I now run a club for my high schoolers. It's a lot of fun. I play with a group online. I think it's a really fun game for improv and creativity and just hanging out with friends. But Johnny Stanton, the starting fullback for the Browns, is apparently a huge D&D fan and he actually runs a game I think every week, if not every other week, for players on the Cleveland Browns roster. And I just and he did tweet out um, after the game <laughs> that the Browns had, he said, there's more evidence that says playing D&D makes you more likely to score an NFL touchdown than doesn't. And it's a picture of Miles Garrett, who does play in the D&D table with Johnny Stanton. I thought that was pretty fun. Boom. <laughs> look at that. So. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, who would have thunk it, man? So those are my uh, those are my tidbits for this week. There we go. I only have one tidbit this week, and it is somebody has a birthday coming up, and I hope, you know, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a well-deserved good day, in my opinion. So, everybody, I'm talking about the one and only number two on Simultaneous Catch, the Simul, if you will, Mr. (laughs) Adam Rossi is coming up. He's going to be 31 years old, and it's going to be a really good day. There are some people who really believe that are really now going to believe that uh, I'm turning 31 years old because you said that. Um, what, I, yeah, what I'm well, more interested know, you're not in a, is... You're a spry chicken. <laughs> you know, what I'm more interested in is I'm the sign ball. You're the catch? 
I mean, no, I'm the uh, okay. I was like, I love you more than almost anybody in this world. I can't call you the catch, man. I just can't. Oh, yeah. No, no, not at all. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening to Simultaneous Catch. Uh, it's good to be back together fully. And uh, like I said, we'll be with you all the way until the end of the season. And it should be it should be pretty wild. Enjoy week 15. Everybody. God bless.